Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. And I lifted my leathers up and I genuinely thought that I lost my kneecap. Like I thought my kneecap was no longer in my leg because all I could see was just a massive hole in my leg and just a massive puddle of blood. The day Taylor started motorbike riding was also the same day she could ride a bicycle without training wheels. Yep, she's been full of determination ever since she was three years old. Since that day, she's been obsessed with motorbike racing. At just 22, she's the first female in Australia to win an Australian championship race in Moto3. She came second place for Australia in the Asia Cup held in India And she's the first Australian female to be selected for the Red Bull Rookies Selection event. Motor racing is predominantly a sport dominated by men, but that hasn't stopped Taylor. Over the years, she's been bullied, injured in races, and commented by others as cute because she likes motorbikes. But none of that has stopped her. This is... Taylor Ralph. So what I firstly wanted to ask you was, when did you start getting an interest in motorbikes? How old were you when you started getting interested in this particular industry that you have been in for so long? It's quite funny, actually, and it makes a lot of people really like open their eyes when I tell them. But I actually started quite young. I started when I was three years old. So I pretty much started by mum and dad. They had interest in motorbikes before me and my older sister came along. But once she was born, they sort of got rid of all the bikes just so they could, you know, save up the money for having two children. And, yeah, I think I was two and a half years old, and they took me to, like, a Krusty Demons race meet where, you know, crazy people do backflips and everything on motorbikes. And, yeah, at two and a half years old, I threw a tantrum on the floor and said to mum and dad that I didn't want to leave until I could have one of those motorbikes and do what they do. And then I actually got a motorbike for Christmas that year on my third birthday. So been doing it for a really long time now. I'm 22 years old and I've pretty much done it, yeah, my whole entire life. Wow. <laughs> that is so young. <laughs> yeah. And I heard as well that the day that you learned how to ride a motorbike was actually also the same day you learned how to ride a push bike. Is that correct? <laughs> it is. So the deal was only because I was so young, I yeah, hadn't ridden a push bike without training wheels. I hadn't done anything like that. And I was wanting to get on a motorbike. So yeah, the, the, the deal was that I learned how to ride a push bike and I learned how to ride a push bike and a motorbike in the exact same day. So pretty much as soon as I got a few metres down the road with no training wheels on, I apparently just threw the push bike on the ground, ran to the shed, put my helmet on and sat on the bike and told Dad that I was ready to go. So I learned very quickly (laughs) for both aspects of things. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's crazy what you can actually do at such a young age. Yeah, that is commitment right there. It's such a young age, (laughs) my God. (laughs) And so then you decided to go from motocross to road racing. So what exactly is the difference and why did you decide to pursue sport and and road racing? So to do motocross, motocross, it is a 
said, easier to get into, especially when you are younger. Uh, obviously, if you've got bikes that are more suited uh, to, you know, when, when you are small and when you don't quite understand the concept of, you know, using a clutch and gears and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, we got into motocross straight away because I had a uh, the Pee 50 and then also progressed to the KTM 65. And road racing isn't as well-known of a discipline compared to motocross and all the other sort of dirt disciplines. So, obviously, it was it was just an easy transition to go straight into the motocross and the flat track and everything like that. Um, my results weren't really fantastic in motocross. Uh, I used to, you know, crash a lot and get a fair few injuries along the way. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so I sort of did take a break for about six months. I was just kind of a little bit over it and I wasn't really enjoying it only because my results weren't there and they weren't really portraying all the hard work and everything that I was putting into the sport as well. So, yeah, I took a little bit of a break and then uh, luckily Dad actually knew somebody who um, was involved in road racing. So, yeah, I pretty much got involved in it that way. It was just through one of my um, one of my Dad's friends. And, yeah, I still remember Dad took me to, like, the road racing track after school one day. He just put uh, slick tyres on my motocross bike because the tyres are um, two different things for motocross and for road racing. Uh, so, yeah, he just chucked a set of slicks on the bike and took me one day after school and I just did laps and laps and laps and I did not come in until pretty much the sun went down and Dad was like, Taylor, like, we have to go home. And I was like, no, like, this is amazing. Like, I, I really want to do this. And pretty much from that day onwards, I was, oh, I would have been maybe 11 years old at that stage. And I remember just driving home from the track that afternoon and just saying to Dad, like, this is what I want to do. I want to do road racing. I want to really excel in this sport. So, yeah, that's where the road racing uh, pretty much began. <laughs> wow. And since you started at such a young age, when you were doing motocross racing and then also road racing, was there a lot of other girls your age um, in the sport as well or was it predominantly males? Yeah. Um, when I first started, there wasn't any real prominent female athletes um, in the in road racing and it was one of the things where motocross there was always heaps but road racing there was never any so I never really had a real role model as such to look up to um, and then it wasn't until sort of I was getting really good results as well that females were more making their name in the actual sport um, there was more females when I say more I mean one or two <laughs> uh, females going into the world championship um, and yeah so that sort of really opened my eyes a little bit when um, I think it was Maria Herrera was the first. Uh, she was a Spanish female who went into the Moto3 World Championship. And I was like, holy crap, like, I can actually do this. Like, if she can do it, I can do it. There's nothing stopping me. And um, so she was definitely my biggest role model. But that wasn't until I was probably about 15 or 16 years old. So there was definitely that five-year kind of gap in between where I had no one to look up to I was constantly thinking to myself like can I actually do this like is there a reason that no other females are in the sport and you know you are just it's just males like the sport is 100% it's a male it's known as a male sport but you know especially when you're younger and you do like I experienced a lot of bullying from being in a predominantly male dominated sport and I also went to an all-girls school so it was definitely, um, I definitely faced a lot of backlash in it, and especially because, you know, my results weren't 
fantastic when I first started. Uh, you know, road racing wasn't something that came to me really quickly. Um, so, yeah, it, it, was, it was definitely difficult to begin with. But, yeah, it wasn't until Maria Herrera actually entered into the World Championship that I really just thought, holy crap, I can do this and let's, let's get started pretty much. <laughs> yeah. That would have been great to have her as a role model, in particular in that five-year five, five year gap. And also that's your preteen years, and that already is challenging enough, and you're already confused about, oh, what am I, all this kind of stuff. And, yeah, that would have been really great to have that model after that gap of just confusion and then also bullying as well. Was it bullying um, off track or was it on track as well? It was more so bullying off track um, in the school environment. So, like I said, I went to an all-girls school, so you can only imagine the kind of uh, female uh, <laughs> female talk surrounding um, the sport that I was doing. Um, so, I actually ended up having to be homeschooled for two years just because of how badly the bullying was. It was making me question everything that I have done my whole entire life, and I'm a very strong minded person. But when people say really nasty comments to you about the sport that you are so very passionate about um you can only sort of take that for so long and especially at such a young age so looking back at it now i'm what i thought back then i thought i was really weak for making the comments you know the comments that were getting made to me i took them very personally um but looking back at it now and seeing how i still continued in the sport regardless of what was getting said to me um back back in the day um and i actually continued it but that just also makes me realise how much I have always wanted to do this as a career path. Um, and yeah, you just sort of, you just always keep on going. And yeah, like I said, it wasn't until Maria entered the World Championship that I did kind of have that real, like, no, screw you guys. So, you know, you have no idea what you're talking about. Um, females can actually do this. And yeah, my results pretty much improved quite, quite quickly after that. Well, I bet they're feeling very sorry for bullying you now that you are a very successful sportsman right now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and what was it also like in your teen years that you were on these motorbikes every weekend pretty much and going 200 kilometres an hour and you didn't even have a driver's licence yet? What was that like then transitioning from racing to then learning how to drive a car and you have to, you know, go on a normal street like 50, 40 kilometres an hour? What was that transition like? Yeah, I can definitely say that I got a fair few speeding fines when I was uh, first learning how to <laughs> drive. Um, so thanks to mum and dad for uh, sticking with it with, uh, for that one. So it was a funny transition more so. Um, it didn't take me very long to learn how to drive a car or anything like that, considering you know my dad had a lot of trust in me. He knew that I was quite good, you know, obviously, on a motorbike and, and behind the wheel of a car. So I, I was driving before. I turned 16, um, obviously not on the road, but just always backing out cars and stuff to dad and um, helping him with his business as well with driving. So, yeah, you know, that transition wasn't uh, it wasn't too scary. I think it was more scary when my sister was learning how to drive because she had no idea of the concept of it. But, yeah, it is crazy to think that, you know, I was uh, doing 200 kilometres an hour on a track uh, when I was 15 years old. I think one of the hardest things when I was learning how to drive was actually understanding the concept of a speed limit. Um, <laughs> obviously, obviously, with racing, there is no such thing as a speed limit. Um, you know, you, your goal out there is to go as fast as possible. So, yeah, that was definitely a hard thing to comprehend when you're going down the highway and I would always be sitting on about 150 and I would always look over and be like, 
okay, well, you just need to kind of, you know, look at your speed limit there. And I'd be like, oh, <laughs> the speed limit's 100. <laughs> <laughs> so what's that like being on a motorbike going that fast? Like, is that just your place when you're in your zone? Is this this big adrenaline rush? Or are you just relaxed the entire time? What is that like? To be honest, after a while, 200 kilometres an hour feels like you're going about 60, <laughs> uh, which I know probably sounds really silly, but it's a weird concept, the start of road racing. You don't think about it. Uh, you don't think about the crashing side of things. Uh, obviously, you do have crashes that, you know, when you're going about 160, 170 kilometres an hour, but when you're out there, it is relaxing in a way um obviously because of how much adrenaline you do have pumping through your body and also the competitive side of things you're not thinking about the speed that you're going you're actually thinking about you know how can i pass this person in front of me you know it is very all it's very strategic racing um which a lot of people don't necessarily think about when they don't understand racing uh but when you are sitting behind somebody all you're thinking about is, you know, usually sit behind them for a good lap and just see where your strengths are compared to them. So really the speed side of things is the very last thing on your mind out there. And like I said, I've been doing it for a very long time now. So yeah, when you hit 200 kilometers an hour, it really does feel like nothing. But then in saying that as well, my partner races as well and he races a superbike and he hits like over 300 kilometers an hour and when I watch him on track I am absolutely petrified like it is the scariest thing to watch Uh, but you know when you are actually on the bike you don't even understand how fast you're going not until you look at you know your data when you get back on the track and you look and you're like oh I'm actually doing about 160 around that corner but you know you feel like you're going about 60 you feel like you're going really slow sometimes you do understand how fast you're going when you crash tumbling down the road really quickly uh that's probably the only time that it does hit, sort of cross your mind about how fast you are actually going on track but other than that yeah, it's, it's the last thing on your mind <laughs> And I saw footage of you. It was from last year in India. It was at the Asia um, Road Race Championship. I watched that footage so many times. It's you and another bike tumbled Mm -hmm. at each other. And you fly off your bike. The other person flies off their bike. And you're just, like, running to your bike because you just want to keep on going. You just want to keep on continuing with the race. And then the people, what, what are they called, the, the people that are the on the track? The track marshals. Yeah, the track marshals are just like, no, just chill, okay? You've you <laughs> got to make sure you're okay and your bike is actually running. <laughs> what was yeah. that like? Uh, I think, especially when you're doing an, an, an international event, we traveled such a long way. Um, Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. We were getting really good results uh, that weekend, just did not go to plan for me at all. And you know, when you do crash, you don't think about your injuries, you don't think about really anything else other than like I need to run to my bike and I need to get back on it but I think that's a mentality that some people have and some people don't um for me I always have the mentality of when I crash I don't care what I've done to myself I get straight up and I run to my bike and I try my absolute hardest to get it started again and um I (laughs) when when you do have crashes like that unfortunately in that one the other rider that went down he actually took me out uh so it wasn't a crash that was 
uh, like specifically my fault. So I was having a little bit of a tantrum in my helmet. I don't know if you can see in the video, I have my hands in the air <laughs> and I am yeah, literally throwing a tantrum because I was just so annoyed. Uh, I went all that way. And in the, the race beforehand, I was in first place and my engine blew up and then that was my final race of the weekend and I had the chance to get back on the podium and then that happened. So, you know, it's a, it's a very emotional sport, I guess you could say, um, and you do, you really do wear your heart on your sleeve. Like, it is absolutely everything that I do in life. It means so much to me and especially when I was representing Australia over there and I had the opportunity to get on the podium and then I silly little crash like that happens and yeah that's why I was just so committed to getting back on that bike but unfortunately I wasn't able to because the bike was too damaged to restart so that's a bit of a shame but you know crashing is inevitable in racing it's always going to happen so yeah it's just something you always have to just put past you and yeah just go from there really. And I've seen on Facebook that you've had a strain of a few very significant injuries. What would have to be your worst injury that you've experienced due to road racing? It's quite funny, like, you know, touch wood, I've never, I've had some really bad crashes, but I've never actually broken a bone. Um, I don't know if that, a lot of the doctors say that that's from my past gymnastics background, but yeah, so pretty much all my injuries are like either third degree burns or my leg cut in half from another rider. Oh. Um, that one probably has to be one of my biggest crashes and one oh it wasn't even a crash but one of my biggest injuries so at Phillip Island for the Australian Championship uh, we just started the race so it was an eight lap race and I was I think there was like 45 40 or 45 riders in the field and obviously also one of the only females in the field so all of those were males and yes yeah, so I went around the second corner of Phillip Island and it's like a double apex corner so you sort of got a Hit, hit one corner, go out, and then cut back in. And as I was cutting back in, another rider just obviously completely misjudged what he was doing and T-boned me. Um, luckily, I didn't crash, uh, but his front brake lever hit my leg at a really... Uh, not, sorry, not front brake lever, front uh, brake disc hit my leg at a really awkward angle. And because the, your front brake disc is about 150, 160 degrees hot in temperature, it pretty much sliced through my leg like a hot knife in butter. So it went all the way down and nearly into my femur. Um, but luckily, I kind of like elbowed him off me and none of us crashed. So that was really good. And I actually finished the race with a really large laceration um, on my leg. And I was it was quite funny. Like I didn't realize the actual extent of my injury but when I was continuing the race all I could feel was like a really wet breeze through my leathers and I was like so annoyed just because I was like this dude has just you know he's destroyed my leathers all I was thinking about was my leathers are obviously cut they're very expensive and that's all I was annoyed about and then I finished the race and um, obviously I was still on the bike. I looked down at my leg and I lifted my leathers up and I genuinely thought that I lost my kneecap. Like I thought my kneecap was no longer in my leg because all I could see was just a massive hole in my leg and just a massive puddle of blood. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah, so it was quite funny actually. I went into the pits, I started screaming at the guy who did that to me <laughs> and um yeah then I collapsed on the ground and everyone who also looked at my leg thought that I lost my kneecap so then I got rushed to in like the like the medics in the actual track itself and they were saying like we need to get you an ambulance you need to go to the Melbourne hospital now and I said like no I'm not like it's Saturday that was my first race of the day I have five more to go like you're not taking me to hospital 
and they were like, look at your leg. It's, it's a massive hole. It goes down to your femur. And I was like, nope, like, get as many stitches in it as you can. I'm racing in an hour's time. So I managed to convince them to just put four stitches in my leg with little to no anaesthetic because I still had to be able to feel the pain for them to let me ride again. <laughs> so yeah, four stitches in my leg. I finished the whole weekend. And after I finished, I um, flew back to Brisbane for emergency surgery. And I spent three days in the hospital after that. <laughs> oh, my God. You yeah, continued um, the racing with a hole in your leg? Oh my yes. God. Yeah. And like, because it was um, like, luckily, because it was the front brake disc that went through my leg because of the heat of it. It actually cauterized all like the blood vessels and everything like in my leg. So it wasn't obviously when they scrubbed it, that kind of that all went away and I was just continuously bleeding. But yeah, that one was quite a scary one actually, because when I got the surgery done, the surgeon came to me afterwards and just said, you're very lucky. And I was like, what do you mean? And he said that had the laceration been um, like five centimetres over or something, it would have gone straight through my femoral artery. And he was like, you definitely wouldn't have finished the race. You wouldn't be here right now. So that was an eye-opening thing to hear at such a young age, Um, just knowing that, you know, I did literally come very close to death just from one silly little... uh, Silly little mistake on another rider's behalf, but yeah, it's just one of those other things you just you know put behind you and keep on going. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully you don't see that rider again. <laughs> yes. So you say that you are predominantly the only female in a lot of the races and you have achieved so much. You have become the first Australian female selected for the Red Bull Rookies Selection event, first female in Australia to win Australian Championship race in Moto3. What would be have to be your biggest achievement that has meant the most to you? For me, obviously, making history books is something that anybody would want to do regardless of your gender. So, you know, being able to make history books multiple times uh, is definitely a really, really cool thing to achieve. But one of my most proudest achievements, I didn't win the race, but I finished second. And that's in uh, that was last year at Phillip Island. And it was a really, really hard championship. When when I won the races in the Moto3, it wasn't exactly a massive field. So winning was obviously a great feeling, but considering how many people there were in the race, it wasn't uh, super exciting for me. So when I finished second in the Super Sport 300 category uh, for the Australian Championship, that was just over the moon. We worked literally for two years, worked extremely hard to try and get a podium and just nothing ever went my way for two years. And it was starting to just get really painstaking for me that, you know, I was putting in so much time and so much effort and the results just weren't coming together for me. And it was in the final round last year uh, that everything just came together for me and I finished second. And it was probably one of the biggest celebrations that Australia has ever seen for a rider to finish second. Not even win the race, just finish second. Um, but it was just one of the... It was just... Yeah, it was so relieving to just finally have everything come together. It was such a competitive field of, yeah, 45 riders. And, yeah, for it to just come together for me so perfectly, I still watch the race over and over and over again now just because watching it just brings the biggest smile to my face. So, yeah, although I didn't win, it was by far the best thing I've ever achieved in life. Uh, So hopefully next year we can make that second place into a win and then it definitely will be a big 
big celebration. <laughs> <laughs> well, you still got on the podium and that's still an amazing achievement. And is that the photo? I saw the photo. You're being held up in the air. You got your arm in the air and you got your helmet on. Is that is that yes, at it? Yeah. yeah. And that, that's with my dad as well. So my dad is a massive inspiration for me. Um, he, yeah, he's just always there for me, always backing me. And he is definitely one of my biggest believers in me and yeah I definitely couldn't do it without dad so when I did uh, come second he was standing there on the podium just waiting for me waiting to catch my bike and yeah pretty much as soon as I got off the bike he just grabbed me and just threw me in the air and it was yeah it was a really cool thing uh, racing definitely a lot about having supportive people behind you and if you have a supportive family then you have the world. And I saw as well that something that you also have started doing that you've been training younger girls into getting interested into motorbikes and motocross racing. What made you decide to start pursuing that? I think because, as I mentioned earlier, when I started when I was younger, I didn't have any female role models to look up to and that did make racing really difficult for me to begin with. Uh, So I think because... I did lack that female role model when I was younger and you know now I am in the position that I've achieved some really cool things and I can help young females get into the sport. Um, I, you know, it's sort of my it's my passion in a way is to be that role model that I lacked when I was younger and knowing I do have the ability to you know allow females to know you can do whatever you want to do in life. You know, racing will always be seen as a male-dominated sport, which really does suck. But, it, you know, when you think of a motorbike rider, you don't think of a female. You instantly think of a male. And I race myself, and when I hear about a motorbike rider, I still think of a male, even though I do it, you know, do it myself. So knowing that it, there is such a large stigma behind racing um, and knowing that there aren't very many females in the sport, um, especially many females who stick to the sport, Uh, knowing that I can make a difference in that is what sort of really pushes me to uh, get the message out there that young females, young or old, it doesn't matter what age you are, you can do whatever you put your mind to. And it really just what the sport relies on is having passion, having commitment and having dedication. And it doesn't matter what gender you are, you can, you know, you can have those three traits about you. So, yeah, it's just the, the... special little thing for me that I can do and yeah I'll always work hard to achieve that too. Yeah well I think that's great that you're helping other girls out there get into a sport that is predominantly males and yes hopefully we can get some more females into that sport. Yeah definitely and you know there's such a large misconception behind it's hard being a female in this sport but there's nothing that's hard about being a female in motorsport there really isn't like the only thing that's hard is that Nobody takes me seriously when they first hear that I race motorbikes. And, you know, that is something that I've learned, especially dating uh, dating someone who also races. You know, people always make conversations with him about his racing and then they just think that I'm there at the track to be his umbrella girl and be his main support, but they don't understand that I race as well. So many people, when you first tell them, like, I race motorbikes, they're like, oh, that's cute. And then it's like, well, no. <laughs> sit down like let me tell you everything I've actually achieved in this sport and it's not until I have to prove to them that you know I'm not just there to make up numbers on the grid I'm actually there as a real serious championship contender and it's not until I have to actually tell them everything I've achieved in the sport that they really sort of open their eyes and think oh that's actually pretty cool you know you always get that sort of they just sort of look over you to begin with and that that's really the hardest thing about the sport there's nothing on track that's hard about being a female obviously 
um, motorsport's really cool in that aspect that it's not like tennis, it's not like rugby, it's not like anything like that where they divide you on track. You know, you are the exact same as your male counterpart. Like, there is nothing stopping you from getting on the podium as there is a male. Um, and I think that's something that's really cool about the sport and that's why it sucks noticing that there's not any, like, there's not many females that do it when it's just such a different sport and you know you can achieve some of the coolest things in this sport as well and I think that initial stigma that needs to just go (laughs) in a way that you know people don't take you seriously when you first tell them that you race and uh yeah that's definitely just one of the main things I just want to get rid of like I want people I want you to be able to proudly say I race motorbikes professionally and have people not think you know, that you aren't actually good at what you do. Well, thank you so much for letting me talk to you today, Taylor. It has been such a thrill and you're so amazing. I really, really must say you're amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Yes. And yeah, it's just incredible what you're doing. And yeah, it's really bloody badass. I really must say it's really (laughs) bloody badass. That was motorsport athlete Taylor Ralph. For more information on Taylor, head to taylorrelf.com.au Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Make sure you subscribe and follow wherever you listen to this podcast.